What is up, people? I just want to throw a massive disclaimer before episode 257. That's episode 257 starts. This is the most spoiler-filled episode we've ever done about a brand new film. That film, The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves. This episode, PC Bombcast, guest starring Ken Calcaterra of filmmaking, filming, cameraman, producing, editing, fame. I think he even makes a coffee on some projects. He's a man who wears many hats. Uh, Ken joins me, and we go really in deep on a movie that both we, we both absolutely very much enjoyed. So... After you've seen the movie, come back and listen to the episode. But go ahead and download it. Then comment. Then share. Then like. And like I said, comment. It doesn't even matter if you leave a bad comment. It helps out. I promise you. Uh, all that can be said, heard, I guess, after the bomb, which is usually after I say now. Well, I mean, let's just jump right into it. Uh, so we're back, and I think... This is a uh, this. I think this is going to be kind of a special episode. I think I want to release it tomorrow instead of waiting for my normal release day Wednesday because I feel like it should capitalize on the momentum of the topic we're talking about. And uh, that said, <clears throat> you're going to hear my voice and another voice. Should be a familiar voice if you listen to the podcast, but it's definitely not one of the normal co-hosts because those pieces of shit could not join us today. <laughs> but we do have returning guest Ken Calcaterra. Ken, what's happening? Howdy, everyone. Uh- yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Been uh, working on uh, a lot of video projects. Uh, one that uh, is near and dear, a, a good buddy of mine has uh, been putting a YouTube channel together, and it's uh, it's called Rust Bucket Rembrandt, and the stories basically focus on uh, older cars, uh, trucks, you know, 1960s, but really any any kind of classic cars that uh, and the relationships that people have with their vehicles. So, so he's not restoring them; he's just taking. What's the what's the gist of the the channel? He f- just finds a car and tells a story, or yeah, essentially he finds the people and tells their story. So okay. he has currently an episode of uh, he's based in Denver now, and so it's an older gentleman who uh, retired, just can't really drive as much in his eighties, and just his relationship with his truck. Okay. So it's a really really compelling story, a bit of a tearjerker. But he's uh, he's got that on YouTube at uh, Rust Bucket Rembrandt. Rust Bucket Rembrandt, and you've already, he's already got one out. He's got one out, and we filmed another one in both Kentucky and California recently. Now, are you going to do these filmings with him? Uh, I just did the second awesome. episode, so yeah, we uh, I went with him to do those, and uh, you know, was director of photography on those, and so uh, yeah, compelling story, and that'll be uh, he's working on post production of that one. And uh, working to get it done, as well as a couple other projects. So he's really been working hard to get it together. And That's awesome. I've been fortunate to uh, you know play a small part and just trying to help him build up his channel and get those subscribers. Well, absolutely. So he can make a little bit of money, make so some of his money back. You said you're doing the filming for him, and are you doing what else are you doing? Are you doing any editing? Uh, on I it? may do a little bit of editing. Okay. You know, right now since he's in Denver, it's uh, it'll be easier for him since yeah. flying back and getting together. I mean, you can do everything online as well. Yeah. But uh, you know, sometimes being in the same room with somebody is a little more helpful. Yeah, but that's awesome though. Uh, it, now this is a, is this a friend that you knew here? Yeah, it was actually yeah, a friend here. He had uh, he's had a couple other uh, YouTube series. He did one oh. on uh, on like a florist or different uh, different use of floral arrangements and uh, like restaurants and wow. backyard picks- like koi gardens and now. Uh, I- 
how does he come across his topics? Because that's some unique stuff, like you know, floor and then the cars. I get. But yeah, yeah. Is it just he drawn to unique topics like that, or is it? Yeah, just, I believe so. I'll be darned. Yeah, in the episode I uh, with that series, it was called Bloomtown. And so I had met him through that. A friend had recommended me, and uh, I wound up editing well, that's uh, awesome. a story on the uh, St. Louis Children's Hospital on a rooftop garden that they have. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah so it was nice. Awesome. It was, uh, you know, again, it was a very emotional story. So he does a good job. And then we, uh, and then we jumped in, and we're working together. We were developing... Um, like a docu-series reality type show called Restaurant Don's based on... I remember, you've talked about that on here before. Now, now is that stalled or are you still... Yeah, COVID, we were yeah. we were about to have it pitched to uh, some different networks. We had uh, partnered up with a production company on the East Coast and everything was looking good and then, you know, it is, of course, uh, screeched to a halt. It, it is impossible. Uh, I mean, the ones you, you know about, obviously, is because there was some kind of famous people attached or some heat behind it but it's impossible to quantify how much uh good content that we lost just because of the planning phase was during covid and it was just destroyed i mean there's there you know obviously there's been movies and stuff like that but you know youtube stuff like you said i'm always amazed when you know i hear anybody that come through it or started during it got out through it and is still doing something because it was just you know, obviously the pandemic. We could. I don't want to sit and talk about it, but it's just amazing what a vast impact on all different types of creativity, content, Absolutely. and entertainment it affected. But yeah. uh, well, we tried to do this a couple weeks in a row, and um, you reached out, and I was super excited to get you on. And then I had to balk a couple two weeks in a row, uh, but I'm glad we got you on this one because I feel like I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw a caveat out right now, or at least a, a spoiler warning out right now to everybody. <laughs> it is impossible to take a deep dive into any film without doing some sort of a spoiler. I'm not going to try to avoid the spoiler warnings in this episode. I mean, it's a Monday. I feel like it's going to be the number one in the movie in America for weeks and weeks and weeks. So all the people that listen to the show, there's a good chance that they've already seen the movie. But I do want to talk about it as in-depth as we can talk about it. And, and one of the reasons I was excited about that... Um, and we pivoted. What I wanted to do today was play Warriors, the new board game from Funko. And then me, you, and a, one or two of my other co-hosts, and then talk about Warriors. And I always like talking about movies with you because, one, I know you're a fan. But two, for something like Batman, which is what we're going to talk about, I thought it was great to have you on because I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to say, I, you know, we'll get right into what how I feel, where this ranks in all the Batman hierarchy. Yeah. And without jumping the gun and getting too far ahead of ourselves cinematically this movie has a lot to offer people and so i like to have someone like you that's that's made documentaries it's made you know you know has done filming loves editing and i probably if you can correct me if i'm wrong has worked with scores on show and movies and stuff before our our oh yeah definitely worked with music and things of that nature which this movie did a a real good job of that as well so so if you haven't guessed this is my long-winded way of saying spoiler warning this is a massively deep dive in review of matt reeves's the batman um so first off i gotta tell everybody um there's no shame in this i've done it before i've done it with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I think I've done it with one. Uh, I did it with some Marvel movies at some point. Uh, but I went to this movie by myself because my, my girls absolutely did not want to go see a three-hour movie. And Missy, it's got to be 
not that this movie is an epic, but there's got to be something massive about the movie, like Endgame ended the Marvel yeah. first ten years for my wife to get motivated to go sure. see it because she is not a superhero movie uh, kind of girl. But that's okay because this wasn't like a normal superhero kind of movie. So when, when did you go not. see it? I saw it on I guess opening night was a Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. yeah, the Thursday, and it was, it was interesting to see, especially someone who loves cinema, that. Uh, it did really well because we're in this day and age where will the theater survive? Well, Spider-Man showed us that people will go see the right movie. Absolutely. And, and it takes the right movie, though, because, you know, uh, and it's funny. I'm going I'm to bring up James Bond, and I want to I come back to James Bond here in a minute because um, I think it's important for this film to talk about James Bond, and I'll tell you why. But when, James Bo- when the new Bond was released, what's the name of the newest one? Um, I can't remember. Oh, it was No Time to Die? No Time to Die. Yeah. It did not do well. But that's a movie that's not aimed at like kids to thirty five. That movie's aimed at like twenty five to forty, or or even thirty five to fifty. That's a target audience, and they did not go see that movie. But Spider Man, and then the power of Tom Holland lately. The the next one, Uncharted, was aimed at kids at that that MCU demographic, mm-hmm, yeah. and both those movies killed. Um, yeah. And there's something about seeing a film with a collective audience. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, that shared experience. Absolutely. And so something like The Batman was definitely great for that. Spider-Man yeah. as well. And but, so, yeah. And you're right about The Batman, though, because The Batman, even though it is a superhero movie, it is a, it is a property of DC Comics, one of the most popular, if not top three, four most popular characters ever created. I wouldn't say this movie was aimed at kids. You know, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. It was more uh, in this movie, and we had, when we had texted. I mean, this is definitely a great Batman story. Yeah, it, it was very cool how it's like Batman meets Seven. And I wanted to take it a step far, further than even that. I think it's. Uh, I think it's more for me. It obviously is Batman, and it's Batman. But I think this is Batman's as far as Phil franchise. This is their Casino Royale. Um, to me, it's like. Casino Royale meets Seven because if you remember, Casino Royale was really a half-assed origin of James Bond. It was the first Bond. It's when he became a double O. Yeah, yeah. He's got no tactfulness in it. He's more of a blunt object. He kind of, you know, he runs through walls. He's doing all this stuff. It's James Bond, not necessarily learning to be James Bond, but he's definitely new to the world of espionage yeah. and. And in that one, uh, what is uh, Q or not Q? What's uh, what's uh, M? M. She makes the comparison in that you're a blunt object, mm-hmm. and we need a scalpel. And this Batman is not a scalpel. He is a even though he is detectiving in this is we'll, we'll highlight that here in a little bit. Yeah. He is a raw Batman. Oh, totally raw. Yeah. And then the seven aspect is spot on. This movie felt like. Uh, what was uh, what was Kevin Spacey's character name in Seven? It was uh, I do not recall. It was like it's Nobody or Mister Nobody yeah, or something yeah. like that. Well, I mean that, that's what Paul Dano's Riddler felt like through this whole thing. This was a great detective story, absolutely. And looking at it, you know, Batman started in detective comics, and uh, I, I enjoyed like in the '90s the Legend of the Dark Knight series. Yeah, because I thought that was these deep dives into it. You had what five or six issues of one story. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was these chapters, and I felt this was a good chapter in in the whole um, the lore of Batman. Let's uh, before we get into the story, and I do have, I think I have two. I think let me think. I'm, off the top of my head, I got to think one or two 
two complaints, I think. I might find a third. Two, uh, and I'm going to nitpick it just because that's what you do when you take a deep dive into something. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, that, that's more about the story aspect and the actual movie. Let me start. Let's go back to the one thing that was of note when this movie came out. What did you think about the three-plus-hour runtime, and did it feel like a wrong movie to you? It did not, and uh, I went into it, and what I, what I love when I can go into a, a film or a series or anything without knowing anything, Yeah. and all I had gone in, I saw the one picture of the Riddler, Yep. so didn't pay much attention to it, but it was in the back of my mind. Uh, you know, I knew uh, Robert Pattinson, you know, there was all the talk of, of him, but didn't see any visuals or anything, yeah. so I went into this kind of blind. And it was great. So for me... How do you do that in this day and age? I, I, don't, I have no idea. You bury I just, your head and work and I just, just don't avoided look. everything. That's and I'm on social media a lot, but I guess it just didn't... That's crazy. It just didn't yeah. uh, pick up, pick that up. So yeah, it was kind of nice. So I went into it not knowing anything, but just you know hearing some hearsay. But yeah. I just avoid watching any trailers for any of those things because then it gives away the story. And yeah. I know what to expect. This way, I'm just going in fresh eyes. And it didn't feel like it was a three-hour three hour movie. I, I have no complaints about the time. Um, I know one thing we kind of argued last week on this podcast, Bender and I, he, he even brought up, you know, 90-minute list of the greatest 90-minute movies because he thinks – and, and there's some validity to the fact that the night, art of the 90-minute movie might be gone. Uh, although I will just, I, I did bring up last week, and I've sang praises about it three or four times now in this episode or this podcast. Uh, but Old Henry is an hour and thirty nine minutes, and that is a great movie for those that need to check it out. It's just in over ninety, uh, but one of the best modern westerns I've seen. Uh, but that said, there's long movies, and then there's long movies. <laughs> this movie was just a long movie. Yeah. I was never tired, and trust me, I have a bit of a hangover this morning, and I watched it at eleven o'clock, and. I was never bored, which I think is a big deal because this isn't. And now I did hear someone say that you know it's not really even any action in the movie. I, I was like, well, when there is action, it's very good action. And it wasn't like I wouldn't say it was action packed, but I loved the choices and how the fights went. Um, that fight when in the dark hallway with the gun. Uh, with the the muzzle flashes illuminating everything. Oh yeah, that was an interesting choice. Well, and for it's me, it was, I haven't really seen much of. So yeah, and it was almost fresh, fresh it, take. it was almost like Darth Vader coming down the hallway in in uh, Rogue One or Luke coming yeah, good in. Good analogy. It was just that was a cool scene, and there was a couple moments like that when Batman got physical. It felt important in the movie, and that's one thing I liked about how they chose violence because this was. Even though it was a younger Batman, this is the second year of his existence as Batman. It was a headier Batman. He didn't. He. It was almost. And I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. It was almost like he just didn't walk blindly into anything, uh, unless he had to. And then when he did, that's when they used the physicality of it because he really. There was a lot. The, the relationship with him and Gordon was was awesome. I thought it was awesome. I just love the way they used the violence in this movie. And I, and I think with that being said, the relationships, and it's a very story, solid story and character driven. So therefore, I mean, because we can watch thousands, you know, it can be three hours of nonstop action. And is that going to keep people's attention? That's exhausting. No, it's yeah. a, but, the, but the story and combining those elements is what makes it interesting. Just like somebody will sit and binge 
six hours of, of a series on Netflix for yeah. one night if if it's compelling enough. And, you know, those Netflix shows and whatnot, I see yeah. these this day and age are more like novels. Yeah, absolutely. So this is more like, like I this see this movie as more novel. like that graphic yeah. novel. Yeah. And, and I brought up that Bender and I, I didn't tell everybody what we argued about last week, but I brought it up. He was like, why has it got to be so long? He goes, because I can tell you, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, you can cut out right away the origin of Batman. And I said, well, they said they're not doing his origin. At this point, we already know it. Which, thankfully, and, they didn't, because you don't need it. Yeah, and he's like, well, they're going to flash. They're, they're going to do some flashbacks. They did not. They didn't flash back to a young Bruce Wayne. You see young pictures of Bruce Wayne, but they didn't flash back to a young Bruce Wayne or a, a, a Bruce Wayne training. They had no montages like that. They avoided all the Batman tropes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And anytime they did reference the past, it was to move the story forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it mostly well centered used. around Paul Dano's Riddler character was yeah. most of the... Or the Waynes. It, did, it, it revolved around the Waynes and not Batman, which was an awesome choice. Yeah. And they really separated... You know what? The other thing that I like... Well, they separated Bruce Wayne and Batman because Bruce Wayne had and his family had this whole set of problems. And we're going to talk a little bit later about... Some of the uh, hinting at future storylines, as as long as this fran- this 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 iteration of the franchise keeps going. Uh, but I had another buddy, Ross, complain after the first trailer, and I gave him a lot of shit for this. He's like, "Well, I think Batman looks cool, but I don't like what they're doing with Bruce Wayne." In the first trailer, you see Bruce Wayne for three seconds. I was like, "How the fuck do you <laughs> think that they are not doing a good job with Bruce Wayne? Because you don't see." And he goes, "Well, I'm just saying, I didn't like the look." Yeah. I'm like. Yeah, but that's the ultimate in prejudging. You didn't. It was three seconds, and this was like a year ago when they the first teaser came out. But I thought it was interesting the way they did tackle Bruce Wayne, and they've done this with Christian Bell's. Like this, Bruce Wayne is all consumed with being Batman, and they did a great job at the end of the film when Paul Dano said, "You're this is not your mask. This is you uh, to Batman." Uh, but. What I what I think works for me better in this one more than anything else I've seen is this Batman's just been doing it for two years, like we said, so of course he would be consumed. He dove into something. He's obsessive. We know it because he puts on a costume and goes and fights crime. Absolutely. So why wouldn't you? You would forget about your other life. You would fuck up a lot of things in your life, your relationships. And, and we get to point that him and Alfred aren't the greatest relationship there's love, yeah. and by the end of it, we see really strong love, but it's not the Alfred-Batman relationship we see. Yeah. And you Alfred know? points that out. He says, you know, look at uh, the accountants are coming by and yeah. this and that. The, you know, the family legacy is in jeopardy. I mean, you figure that at some point they have like a whole machine going, but if yeah. Bruce Wayne, yeah. if they're relying on him to make decisions. There's a Lucius uh, Fox still out there running the company for him yeah, or something. Yeah, but we yeah. get into, there's some there's some issues there with him. Maybe he's just not the FaceTime that's needed to propel that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we see that he is all consumed and just uh, they show how often he's out there and just the scars, it just what he's dealing with, which that's something I don't recall that we've seen in in other films. Yeah, we've seen... Tim Burton gave us a gritty Gotham, and they did an okay job. In, 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 and don't get me wrong, I'm not poo-pooing on uh, the uh, the um, uh, Christopher Nolan trilogy because I, I think... I, I guess I get this out of the way. This falls in as my second favorite Batman movie, Behind the Dark Knight, because Heath Ledger's performance, I think, is the best performance in any superhero movie yeah, ever. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. And... To say that this falls behind that, I still think that there's 
better comic book movies. Like Endgame was a truly massive accomplishment, but I don't think cinematically there's a better film about from a comic book than the second Batman Nolan movie. So I love these movies. But what I was about to say is that I think Nolan tried to give us a gritty Gotham, and it just kind of. It, it, it was like 80% of what we expected. This Gotham in this movie was dirty as fuck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, now, it rained a lot, and I know yeah. that was probably a choice to, show, to to really pound home the sorrow of how on the edge of the city is to falling into despair. But this was a... And they, they hung out in gritty... I mean, there was a rampant drug problem in this movie, the dropsies or whatever, and mm-hmm. I want to come back to those by the yeah. climactic battle in this. Uh, but it, this was a, they didn't use, Gotham wasn't a, a, a secondary or tertiary character like it's tried to be in some other movies, but Gotham was visible at all times in this movie. And you look at the timeline with that being year two, just everything, the, the rampant crime and whatnot, whereas we see more of a different timeline in the Christopher Nolan world. Yeah. So it's after, you know, Batman's been established. It's a bit cleaned up. You still have crime, but yeah. it's just not the, uh, like, the decrepit, uh, you know, just the this washed in blood that it is yeah. in this world. Now, did you feel it was this, did you feel like, well, this is a dangerous city? Oh, absolutely. And they think, man, I think right out of the gate, they hammered that home in the opening uh, narration monologue from Bruce about the weapon that is the, the bat signal. And how it was striking fear in criminals, but there was still so much crime going on, and he couldn't get to it. And uh, and, and let's go back to this. Let's go back to the very beginning. Uh, I almost thought that there was something wrong with our, our projection and, and our sound. The I the 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 choice, and this is kind of the stuff I really want to get your input on. The choice to just go with the DC logo, the Batman, and have that quiet all the way up until Ave Maria starts. That was the most subtle, low-key starting to any superhero movie you could ever have. Well, this sets the tone, the music, and they, they did that throughout with the Nirvana song. Yeah. And then weaving that into the score. So therefore, there's your theme. Yeah. And some have, have called it, this is the emo Batman. And we can tell he's depressed. And we can tell he's kind of discovering who he is. And Patton and he's did, young. Did, he did say that he modeled a lot of his mannerisms after Kurt Cobain interviews and stuff, which to me still makes sense. This is a Batman that's uh, or Bruce Wayne that's all up in his feels and he's got one way to express it and get it out. And that's to be Batman. But that just, I, I was like, soon as that Ave Maria started and they chose to just go, you know, all, every time you, you hear that song in a, in a movie, it starts with the, the, the chorus, so to speak. They went from the very beginning of the slow musical interlude to that song, which is kind of a very upbeat beginning. And I was like, oh, man, Matt Reeves is doing something silly here. Like, Or not silly, but like a bait and switch. This is a little upbeat beginning. That first 10 seconds for that song is upbeat. And then it gets into a, like what feels like a very operatic, kind of sad, mellowy song. And it just goes over, you know, right into his narration of, of Gotham, which I thought, you know, back to what I said about Bender, I was like, oh, we aren't getting the flashback origin. We're not getting the origin. We're here. He's telling us they think they did a great job. And I didn't. Who did Matt Reeves write this? I believe. Yeah, he he yeah. wrote it with a co-writer. It was Matt Reeves, Peter Craig, and then uh, they're the and then two other people are Bob Kane and Bill Finger. But that's just because they created Batman. But uh, let's see, Peter Craig also. What else did he write? 
Oh, he wrote The Hunger Games. The Town. Okay, that, that makes a lot of you sense. You know, I'm not familiar with The Town. Um, directed by Ben Affleck. Oh, uh, great, yeah. Great, I missed that one. I'm great have to bank go robber movie. Okay. Jeremy Renner, Ben Affleck. I, I would argue it might be Ben Affleck's best movie. And I like Gone Baby Gone. Um, but, uh, th- but th- like, their choice of like that the way they they chose to to give us that bait and switch and write into that narration and use that they set the table for us here's batman here's his thoughts on how this campaign's going and now we're going to start the story and it brings you into the character's mind really well and that's what you want to do you want to see what is going on the inner workings that inner conflict so we get that so we of course we have the exterior conflict with the crime going on but what is this guy going through and as your comparison with Kurt Cobain, it's just he's thrust into this world as, you know, he's kind of avoiding Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, because it's like that's pretty heavy on him. Now he's in in charge of the whole family, the fortune, the legacy, the Wayne legacy, and then how does he deal with that? And he deals with that by, you know, being that crime fighter, by living the night. He's exhausted during the day. It's almost like he's running from who he is. Yeah. And I think the journals was a nice element to look at to yeah. establish where you were. Year two. In the timeline right there. And he's got yeah. his journals. You know he's been doing it. And you know he's been heavy into it. He's just really entrenched himself. And in I being, can see that's something Batman does. He takes a journal of his day-to-day so he has that resource to go back to and reread what he was thinking and change it. And, again, we talked about being a headier or you know style batman this was um i think that's what you just brought up you do more than any other batman we've ever seen you feel like you're inside his head i mean it's not like he has other than his over uh you know overdubbed narration at the beginning and then at the end there is no thought bubbles here like there is in comics there's no narration as to what he's thinking but i think in because we have that beginning monologue and i think when we see him in a room analyzing the room i do think you see the wheels turning i feel like you know what it's like to be in batman's head and i think this movie did that better than any other batman movie and just the silence what you get with without that dialogue just when he walks into a scene he's not he's not saying much he's observing He's there. He's kind of like a fly on Absolutely. the wall. And it's uncomfortable for, you know, all the police and everything, which we find out why. Yeah. Which and is cool. Here's my first point of contention in the film, and I want to know what you, your thoughts are. And and don't get me wrong. I can tell you right now, you know, we always do, our, on my, my, my podcast, we do our universal untapped scale of, out of five. Mm-hmm. This movie's a five out of five. This is a great movie. This is a... Every review I said the first th- I read the first two things they say is cinematically and musically this is a must see experience and I agree but when you get rid of all that some negative ish reviews were like well they think they're telling an original Batman story but it's been done it's just a Batman story yeah that's why I like it uh, but um, I mean how many comics are there right I mean, is there Not a thousand any, you is know? there like any truly original Batman story or even derivatives of yeah. know, different comics there's always an homage it, unless we're back in the 60s at the you know at the origin of just superhero comics and it goes back to my complaint on Warner Brothers as a whole they keep trying to differentiate themselves from Marvel they're like well we don't want to be Marvel so we're going to make this kind of movie who cares we're all they're all based on comic books like you yeah. said it, you're not being original 
we love the comic books. Be like the comic books. But, but the but thing this is, mo- but 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 anyway, sorry. But what I don't like about this movie, if I do have a couple of picks, uh, this one's the theme wise is what the only thing that I didn't like about this. I felt I love what you just said. Like Batman was in the room quiet and it was disconcerting for everybody. But I think he was in the room too much with the police throughout I can the movie. Agree with that, yeah, it was too. Even though they weren't comfortable with yeah. him. They were in there with him a lot. I, I there was none of the, and I know this is a Batman trope. There was there was only one time that he disappear, and the guy turned around like, "Well, hey, you know, where'd he go?" It was one of the cop when they pull the car- carpet back, and then he oh, disappears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why the guys on? He goes, "I can't get through on the phone." He turns around. He's like, "Where'd he go?" Um, I love that about Batman. He can pop into a scene and out without being noticed. Uh, there the only complaint I have, and maybe it's because he hasn't learned it, this Batman literally walked through a lot of front doors with people. That's different from, like at the club, to see the Penguin the first time. He knocks on the door. You know, he's like, do you know who I am? And Which was funny when they use it later when he's asked Bruce Wayne. But that was, it. again, just nitpicking, and I'm going to get to the other one here in a little bit. And maybe at this point... He's so new in this world, they don't know what to expect of him. Yeah, yeah, he's, so, he's a wild card. Yeah, it's something where we, other Batman uh, films and whatnot, comics, we, you know, everybody knows who he is. Yeah. So at this point, maybe they're those characters underlying, or they're trying to discover who this guy is. So it's like, bring him in, let's let's observe him. I but, thought uh, one of the other cool things about being young Batman, being second year Batman, is he has some gadgets. Uh, I pointed out to you, I put the Batmobile together. This Batmobile was fucking awesome in this movie. Um, but it's not really a gadget. It's like, a, again, a blunt instrument as far as his cars yeah. go. Um, he had his grappling hook, but it was very much like a rudimentary design for his grappling hook. Yeah, it was primitive can, can yeah. compared to a lot of the other gadgets that we see as he's developed over time. Or in the... The Christopher Nolan universe, it was, you know, Wayne Technology. Yeah, yeah. It was like a defense contractor. Yeah. So he had all kinds of crazy gadgets and, and, you know, the Batmobile in in the Nolan was... A tank. Yeah, basically a tank. And then he's got planes and everything else. And maybe over time that's developed, again, we're back to year two. Right. Where it is more primitive and a little more, uh, I guess you could say, practical. And I think the best way they illustrated that was when he jumped off that building he even had a step where he goes oh oh, whoa and he turned on his flight suit used whatever it was to make his flight suit squirrel suits that was but he wasn't even good at it he almost white killed himself on that yeah and i thought good touch this is not not a batman that knows how to jump off of buildings yet he's got to learn it parachute under the bridge it gets caught up so it doesn't stop his fall Diverts him onto the uh that semi bounces off the semi it was like yeah that's you want to see a, a character that's vulnerable and a learning that, curve. Yeah, to it's it, not yeah. like not like those GI Joe movies where they're jumping <laughs> out of a plane with no parachute or anything. They land on their feet. Yeah, in that classic. You know that superhero uh, pose. My daughter runs around the house in the last two weeks, jumping down on the superhero pose, and yeah. she calls it. I'm landing like Spider-Man. Yeah. But that's okay. It's okay when Spider-Man yeah. does And it's it. a different world. Yeah. It's, you know, there's physics in the different worlds. Yeah. And this one was... Hard physics. Yeah, and it was more realistic. 
as is the Nolan films, yeah. whereas the Burton films is more in that comic book realm where things are the physics in the Burton world are much different. Yeah, you and, get in the Burton world. You only there's only one time where they address real world physics, and that's when he grabs uh, Kim Basinger and goes, "How much do you weigh?" And she goes, "What?" Yeah, yeah. And he and that was it. It's like otherwise we're good, you know. Yeah, but it was interesting how Burton created his own world. Yeah, and then we get into like the Joel Schumacher, where it's just yeah, like, it yeah, not even worth talking about. But yeah, those are. <laughs> Just real campy and whatnot, where this I see is more, Nolan was more of a, a real world environment, where I see this as kind of maybe a little bit of a hybrid of a, you know, it's it's a little alternate universe, so, somewhat. With, as, with, so overall, um, one of the other choices that I think that I liked a lot, and if there is a really harsh criticism of the Nolan verse Batman. It's his voice. People hated that fake voice. <laughs> I felt like Robert Pattinson did a good job of not doing a raspy or a yeah. forced voice. It was almost just like he, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to really, I'm, when it comes out, I'm going to watch it again when I have the chance to buy it or yeah, rent see it. See if it holds up the second viewing, which I, I believe it will. Yeah, I do too. And it I, may I, even be even cooler. You'll see some different things that you missed the first time. I don't well. believe his voice was the same as Robert Pattinson as was Batman, but I don't think he was doing anything other than maybe changing his inflection or maybe the seriousness of his voice, but he wasn't doing this. Yeah. Which, which I thought, was bizarre. thank you. You yeah. know, thank you. Because he was intimidating. I mean, even, I mean, Robert Pattinson's not a big guy. They make him look bigger than he really is. But he was intimidating as Batman in this. Um, I liked his suit. His suit was functional and it looked more armor. He was wearing boots. Yeah. You know, yeah. he had padding, but it wasn't restrictive padding. Um, I liked. Even for whatever reason, it took me a while to get used to it, but I like that he had kind of a collar around his neck, like it, almost like a shirt collar, but yeah. I think that was important because that's protecting the back of his neck, which he's got that helmet, you know, but then you still got to move so you can't go all the way down like Keaton's Batman, couldn't yeah. turn his head. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they did a good job with the Batman. And even when you look at some of the codes, they had a few scenes where you look at some of the close-ups of his gear, and it's almost like... Hockey pads. Yeah, it is. So it looks, you know, it's like he, he I was fabricated thinking, this himself. I was thinking BMX bike. You know oh, how? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Good, good call there. But uh, it's like when he was, um, when he was in the water and pulling the kid out and then saving the people on top of the dome, and he was, you saw the person hold his hand. You could see the padding and how it was fastened and could, you know, it's where he could still move. I was like, oh, this is great. I yeah. mean, this is a great Batman. And obviously, it was bulletproof because he got shot a lot. I mean, a yeah. lot. This Batman got shot a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's almost. I'm thinking, like, as much as he got shot and heavy machine gun fire, that was one of the elements that I kind of was like, yeah, he's not. I mean, because no, it's going to hurt whether you you know, you know have armor or not. It's going to knock you back. But, I mean, maybe the adrenaline was flowing or whatnot. But, you know, that's one of those physics elements that you're just like, well, what hey, about- can somebody really get shot that many times and not be? I mean, if you're wearing Kevlar, you're going to get you're going to get knocked back or if you get bulletproof vest, you know, you're going to, you're going to be hurting from that impact. Yeah, absolutely. What about some of the uh, other aspects of this movie? Let's get into it before we get into some of the story things. There's one thing with the story point that I want to talk about later, but I mean, specifically let's talk about Jeffrey Wright, Zoe Kravitz and Paul Dano. And before we get into all those guys, cause I want to talk about all of them and think of how you did on them. But the first person I want to talk about is Colin Farrell. As the penguin, it's Colin Farrell. There was only when he was in the car, and you see his eyes. I'm like, oh, there, there's Colin hiding in all that prosthetics and that weird, not weird, but like. 
completely masked voice. I mean, what a great performance oh, from Colin amazing. Farrell. And, and again, I went into it not knowing much about it. I didn't know that uh, Zoe Kravitz was in it. It was like, oh. Yeah. And then Colin Farrell, I'm thinking, like, where is he? It just didn't It didn't register to me. And I'm watching the credits, and it was like, oh. And I love the beautiful. choice. I love the fact that this is kind of an – because in the comics, uh, the Penguin has really – uh, went from kind of a, a a jokey guy that uses penguin like in Joel Schumacher's films and stuff like that. Or well, Tim Burton did it, didn't he? No, or it was Joel Schumacher that was. Is he the one that put the uh, the missiles on the penguins? No, that no, was, that was Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Yeah, yeah, and he was eh. eating the fish. He was yeah, always... so the, the, he went in the comics. He's went from that to a legitimate crime boss who vies for you know control of the the the, the seedier parts of the city. And this one was more than it was an origin story for Batman. It was an origin story for the yeah. crime boss penguin. Yeah, and he can evolve at some point to be a little bit more like the, the comic penguin. No, I like it the way it is. The new one. The no, way, no, yeah, I do yeah, like yeah. it, but I'm saying there's some point, but going back again to year two, having him as just a crime boss type yeah. guy is, is a great touch. Now, if at some point his story evolves or there's another one, yeah, we could see I, a little bit more of that. that I like that flare. he didn't die. I mean, there's a. Oh, there's I know. A, it kills me when they kill the, like all your great villains yeah. in one movie, and you don't get like. Well, they're more not story. Coming, It's very not like a comic book. Yeah. You know, the guy's got to torment you forever. Yeah. Um, but I think Colin Farrell knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. Um, well, and let's save Paul Dano for last. Uh, the other name I forgot to throw in there because. I gotta tell you, I, I love him in anything he's ever been in, um, and I really like him when he's in a mob movie. John Turturro, <laughs> you know, his role wasn't massive. Yeah. Boy, he's good on screen whenever he's on screen. He did look, I mean, he's played a buffoon. He's played a, you know, uh, look into your heart in a, you know, in a mob movie like a, a, you know, he's pleaded. I mean, he was smooth in this movie, man. I bought him as a crime boss. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was nice to see him in it. I didn't, again, unexpect it. it I wish like, I would have oh, went into Jeff it with your Turner. eyes, you know, not knowing yeah. who and everything that was in it. But I thought he was good. And it's not, a, you know, and that's why uh, it's nice when you miss trailers. Yeah, I, there's one of my pet peeves, and we won't go this deep into this now, but is, is seeing, like, I, I can get to a point of a trailer before the movie where I'm like, okay, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm going to see this. I'm hooked. And then at that point... It's another minute and a half, and yeah. it gives away the resolution and everything else. The you know this, we go into the second and third act. Like stop, and I'm putting my fingers in my ears. I'm like, mm. Bender and I talked on the last episode about a movie that's on um, HBO Max right now called Antlers, and it looks like a cool movie. And I wanted to watch it, but me and Missy watched the trailer to see if we were going to watch a movie. And I got to tell you, and I, I, I asked Bender, I said before you break down the movie. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on the trailer, and you tell me if I need to watch the movie. And he goes, nope, you pretty much nailed the movie. Oh, and that's disappointing. And it even shows you the monster in the Antlers oh, trailer. Like, no, never show the monster. don't do it. Don't show the monster. Uh, but like, it, like in this one, like you said, um, let me ask you about this guy, because I didn't bring his name up initially too, but he has managed to go from one uh, comic book cinematic universe to another now, Andy Serkis as Alfred. Uh, good choice. I didn't know where I was going to fall on it, because we've seen some really good Alfreds in the past with... Michael Caine, and, and I can't remember who the original Alfred was, but he spanned a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I thought he was good. And I also love, 
what I love that they did with Alfred is Alfred's also kind of always like this little ex machina for Batman. If he's ever in danger, he, Alfred, make this happen. And Alfred, like, r- remote controls the Batmobile to him. Or yeah, yeah. Some, they had a little bit of that in a little way. It's like Alfred, hey, I worked on the cipher for you. And he was, you know, you got that Alfred was important to him. I thought it was a pretty smart choice to remove him from the film for the uh, halfway through the second act and take him out of the third act, except for just that, you know, the emotional reveal of the movie. Absolutely, you tie it together. You tie in that backstory. It's uh, in that element. But I think another he serves the purpose of the credibility. So when we first see Batman and he's he's looking at the crew uh, the, the clues from the Riddler, yeah. and so we we see this. You know him being that detective, yeah. And then when it comes to Alfred, he gets the you know he gets the ciphers and he starts working on it. And then we see that he talks about I think it was in the hospital bed in that third act as you're talking yeah. about where he says oh I you know I trained you you know the yeah. fight and yeah. this and that. So right there it ties it all together and we know how Bruce Wayne became such a you know I mean he's still in his infancy but where he learned to become a detective. Yeah. So there's that credibility and believability, and, and they set it up nice. So it's like, oh, and if Alfred's not doing that, absolutely. then we're, it doesn't allow us to say, oh, yeah, this young guy is pretty sharp because he has this mentor that's been teaching him this his whole life. I also like that he was judge, judgy. He was like, you need to be Bruce Wayne. They need a Bruce Wayne. The company needs a Bruce Wayne. And then when he sees a cipher, because of his past, he even though he's chastising him a little bit, He's like, well, let me take a crack at that. It's like even he can't fight his urge to be the detective and yeah. to help. Uh, which, and he knows he needs help because yeah, he's going to yeah, kill yeah. himself Somebody's trying to do it on his him. own. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about, uh, and like I said, I want to say Paul Dano to last, so we'll say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, but let's get to Jeffrey Wright real quick. Commissioner Gordon, well, I mean, Detective Gordon. Yeah, I, I said the same thing when I was talking to a friend of mine after the. After and they the did film. do that in Nolan's universe. Yeah. He started Detective yeah. Gordon and worked his way up. Um, but this was, uh, I thought this was a good blend of what, of uh, Nolan's Gordon and a Gordon from uh, maybe Burton's because this was a Gordon that, yes, commanded to some respect. They really leaned into like what Nolan said is he, the reason Batman trusts him because he knows he can trust him. He's one of the good cops. Yeah. And this is a Gordon, though, that still very much gets out there and shoots people solves the crime this was jeffrey wright who's been amazing throughout his whole career as an actor um i you know i thought i don't want i'm not going to devaluate by saying i thought he was the most understated character of this movie but i think that was a good choice exactly and i think that's the strength and this character is almost a seamless character from the different unit you know even though you have a different actor the way it's portrayed it it just it's kind of seamless. You're not thinking about Gary Oldman, who was brilliant in the role. Yeah, it's almost like amazing actors. They're playing it yeah. almost where it's we it's the same same guy. So it's not like where you can mix up. Uh, Penguin is completely different. Oh yeah, you know Gordon and well played is the same Gordon, and and That's I think we need him to be that way. Also, the best scene between the two when you realize where the trust factor was is when he shoves. Batman up against the wall in the interrogation room. Yeah. And he's like, you too, Batman. Like at first he's like, what the fuck dude? And then yeah. when he leans in, he whispers, they're whispering. And he's like, you're going to have to hit me. And of course it was the, if there's a joke in the whole movie, he goes, God, he goes, you could have, he goes, 
or what do you say? He he goes, damn it, you could have pulled that punch. Yeah. He goes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a great. That's yeah. a great. The right amount of levity for the tone of this film, and it, that scene illustrated how much they do. Other than Batman, I mean, he does. You know, he does dumb it down for the audience a couple times, saying, "You're a good cop. I trust you." But that scene, they could have left those other lines out, and that scene would have illustrated how much trust is between the two. Yeah, which was awesome. And at some point, though, they were whispering a long time, so you're yeah, like, "Well, yeah. you know, those other cops had to be like, okay, like, what's, what's going on?" Because he was yelling at him. Yeah. And so I thought that, that might have been played a little better, where it's a little it yelling been. and hey, you son of a bitch, you know. But it's, I mean, that was fine. It's little things. Yeah. What about? Uh, so what about Zoe Kravitz? I thought she was great. God I think bless. She was probably the best Catwoman there there was. She it's, really embodied that character and took it to a, a whole nother level. And when you have a young actress or a young anybody in Hollywood, you don't want to you, you don't want to necessarily. Uh, it, I don't think it cheapens, but you know sometimes there's like it's hard to make comparisons to other people. And I'm just this is just a sexist on the surface comparison. I can make. I mean, is she not the next Holly Berry in just how beautiful she is? I mean, I've I thought Zoe Kravitz has been a very pretty girl, obviously. Yeah. But man, whatever it was with her short hair, her attitude, her attack of the character, she was a knockout in this movie. Just a knockout. And on top of that, she was a believable Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. didn't. And again, they, she was a really raw. I, I like if she comes back in the future. I hope she has a upgraded mask. Yeah. Only because she can afford it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because yeah. this is just a sock mask that's got a little bit of dimples that are very cat-like ears. Just a little bit. Yeah. With the holes cut with one sock. I mean, it's very minimal. She's got a motorcycle, but they gave us like flashes of how intelligent. And even Batman was like, "You're very good at that." You know, when she cracks open that safe. Yeah, that was amazing. She knows what she's doing. And it w- and I like that she wasn't the helpless victim like it almost it wasn't like she was thrust into this universe because she was because a tragedy was put on her. She was there because she was planning on you know, she was she was vetting them and and setting them up to steal from them anyway. Yes. And then this all shit happened and it just took her in a different path. They did a good job of reminding you she is a thief, but she isn't a evil, if that yeah. makes sense. And she had good backstory. She had good reasons. Yeah, I, like, I, I don't mind the changes. Yeah, it worked. Not at all. Yeah, it yeah, worked. So she was great. I, and, and I love the fight with Batman. I yeah. mean, she's dangerous. She can fight a lot of people, but Batman was like, cut this shit out, you know? And then that, that relationship, that sexual chemistry between the two was well played. The and best they've ever done yeah. in movies. I Absolutely. mean, obviously, Batman has had a bunch of different love interests in a bunch of movies from uh, Vicky Vale, who the Kim Basinger role. He didn't really have a love interest in um, Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. She was kind of cheesy evil but again it's tim burton in that world and, and that's okay because i love tim burton uh and then in the batman movies obviously from the nolan movies it was uh not not maggie gyllenhaal the uh, katie holmes and and then maggie gyllenhaal same character but kind of a made-up fictional i mean a character we've never seen in the comics that yeah. became a love interest and obviously died and that's not a spoiler people if you haven't seen those movies you're out of <laughs> yeah. uh but this was the this is what people love out of Batman and it's really something that's been materialized in the past 15 years or so in the comics there's always been this could they ever get this Ross and Rachel relationship with Batman Catwoman but in the last 15 years it's really been like yes these two at heart at the basic yearning of their own emotional spectrum love each other and this movie set up that desire to be together really well without throwing it in her face. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, two kisses. Yeah. We only saw two kisses. Yeah, yeah. And what was great in terms of, uh, if you know, I, I'll ask you, someone that has created fictional content and had to write a story or tell a story, the third kiss doesn't happen. He leans in for it, and she walks away. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to mix it up and is not to be unpredictable. Yeah. And it's just, and that's common, and that's his uh, foot in reality. And they're both at their development as characters. I mean, yeah. they're both young. Yeah, they're I get the impression that this are. is this. She's been a burglar, but this is the first time she's been a vigilante uh-huh. at the burglar at the same time. Yeah, it's her origin and also. The, and the stakes are higher at this point. Yeah, you know, she's been like more of a petty thief. Right. And then then she has reasons, you know, losing a friend or you know, I don't know if the her friend was her lover as well. What that uh, you didn't know. You know, you didn't hard, know. hard to define, but uh, that again, that adds another layer. She had past due bills. Oh yeah, we noticed that. Yeah. They, I felt like that was kind of. Uh, a little bit of a MacGuffin because they didn't really explore it. It didn't really paint a good enough picture on why she would steal. The stealing from Falcone came later when we find out, again, people, I apologize, when he's her dad. Yeah. That's when we find out her true motivation. And it's pure motivation. Mm-hmm. He does owe it to her. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't go all the way. She doesn't cross that line and therefore ruin the character for all future films. Yeah. Um, I, I can't say it enough. She was great. And just the fact, but well, we'll just keep it as a non-spoiler, but the fact, the story element of how he was her dad and just oh, yeah. the, the knowledge, just that whole realm. They, I, didn't, they didn't make it grotesque, and they didn't dive too yeah. deep into it. They no. just gave it to us. But they planted that seed at first, and then With in the our relationship, minds, yeah. we had one, at least I did, had one expectation of what that relationship was, and then they turned that on its yeah. heels and gave us something completely and she, different, and that just, again, this made it, it enrich the story. Yeah, she, so they, well they, they told us, or she told us, it's not what you think, uh-huh. Batman, and he assumed the worst in people, and she said, and that was a that was kind of a flaw with this with Robert Pattinson's Batman. He did assume mm-hmm. that everybody was, and it was why he liked trusted Gordon because it was the only guy he could trust other than Alfred, and you know, so that was a, I mean, just a good, well done intertwining of those two characters uh, throughout the whole film. Um, but that brings us to the last character we really need to talk about, and then we'll get to a little bit of some of the, the story aspects of the one thing, because it's a good segue from this guy to the one thing that really, really bothered me, and it, it really bothered me. Um, Paul Dano. Uh, Paul Dano's been a kid that's been in some good movies. Uh, he's at, He's been great. Now, I can't tell you for the first and second act how great he did how good of a job he did because they could it could have been Joey Bag of Donuts inside that mask <laughs> with the with the the uh, voice filter in order yeah. to hide his identity so i will we'll, so let's just start with what the the aspect of how the riddler fit in this this version of the riddler and then we'll get into Paul Dano's performance which is really the last act of the film um, i thought obviously in the original Batman films, the first ones, the Riddler is just Joker Part Two when Jim Carrey plays him. That's all the Riddler is. <laughs> yeah. It's another Joker. It was uh, not badly casted, but badly written. Um, this Riddler was very different than the comic book, also because in the comic book, the Riddler actually is also owns his own criminal empire. Um, but this one, what I like is they leaned into the riddles leaned hard into the riddles like a seven mm-hmm. yep. and you know and then they really again going back to the grungy dirty field he was really a dirty riddler and had a believable backstory 
Absolutely. And just that, that element of mystery. We don't know who he is. We don't, the whole mass thing. It's just, it's nothing that we've ever seen. Yeah. And that threw a lot of people off. It's just like, well, why is this? It's a kind of a waste. It's some of the little things that I had seen after the fact or had, had read. Yeah. But uh, then when we, we realize why that has happened, it's just like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And it wasn't for, like, this is a costume-type situation. This is who I am. It was. Yeah. It, it served the story well. Also, and this is, uh, this is something I do think needs to be brought up because in every – Bad guy move. Bad guy in every superhero movie, or in any any Bond movie, or any movie period in the, that's ever been made, where there's a good guy fighting an army of evil. It's almost like where did they get these henchmen? And evil are us, our our henchmen university. This movie didn't give us henchmen until the third act. Yeah, and it was in the age of the internet and the dark web and how. You know, I don't want to. You know how uh, extremism, like like, uh, can be like, ex- like terrorist groups and stuff, can be created through that. Those message boards. This gave us the most believable way to recruit a henchman army as any movie's ever done, and I thought it was brilliant. That was almost uh, like a Fight Club element. It was absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. again, we're going back to David Fincher Seven, and then Fight Club. But it makes that sense. Was, that really. Seemed like that. That's a great comparison. That's a great comparison. You know, building it up. And they even had, uh, they used like a couple of, they were reading a few of the posts. And it really gave that vibe. Yeah, man. Just what they were talking about. And and, in just like that brief little moment, it filled it all in. That's all you needed. It It is. It was just like probably like 30 seconds of screen time. And you're like, oh. So did you enjoy this Riddler as a whole? I did, and he served the story well. Yeah, because we didn't know who he was. He was diabolical. Some and, of the and things he was, he was doing, it was like Saw, a little bit like Saw. And he created a diversion for Batman throughout the whole film by overthrowing this criminal organization in Falcone. He was shining a light on it, mm-hmm. but he also was murdering people. And you know, I guess I, I don't have any complaints about the the way this movie was, the length or the pacing. I loved it, but it was kind of like to me in the Dark Knight. Um, there's really it's really two films it's really two major acts it's the film all the way up until joker gets arrested and is in the police precinct and blows it up and then it's another film and that it feels like that's a if you're taking a break at school and when they when they show you a movie that's the perfect break point where joker's leaning out of the car this movie was kind of the same way all the way up to busting falcone and that's when we had the the conclusion of what seemed like batman solved the mystery but that's when Two things happen. That's when we get to see Paul Dano act, and they arrest him at the diner, and that's when we get um, the second or the final act of this film starts, and that's when we see a ramped up action, the stakes at the highest, where it's realized like, oh, he's been targeting these people, but his bigger picture is going to kill thousands, if not millions, and that was awesome, and that's where I want to talk about Paul Dano because every scene from him smiling at Batman on. When he's getting arrested, and then going into get Batman seeing him through the window in the visitation room, that's great Paul Dano acting. And yeah, maybe only ten minutes of real acting he did in this movie, but by God, he hit it a home run when he was tossed toss the ball. Yeah, it was great. It's that diner scene. It was good. It was just yeah, it was really good. You're just like you know this guy's this guy's a nut. In that scene, sitting there, and he, uh, his, of course, his intentions were good, but just his uh, execution of that, it's. Uh, his whole plan. Yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing. And then the backstory, they kind of fill it in. Great. Why he was doing what he did. 
And so well done. And his jealousy of Bruce Wayne makes sense. As a guy that was an orphan, grew up in a drug-addled shelter, you know, I could see him being pissed that they were calling poor Bruce Wayne the orphan. You're not poor Bruce Wayne the orphan. It's billionaire Bruce Wayne the orphan. Um, So you could see that rage and that jealousy and all that. Now, let me ask you, and again, people, I'm going to beat this dead horse with a sledgehammer. Spoiler. Do you think he knew Batman was Bruce Wayne? I don't believe so. And I, they give you the hint that he does, even when he starts saying Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But I don't think he's telling Batman that that's who you are. And I think there's a point to where he says, and we almost got him. And that's when Batman looks up. He's like, wait a minute. I think he... I yeah. I think Batman thought he was being outed. Because he oh, looked he, up at the he camera. He absolutely did. And then when he Paul Dano realized that when when he gave us one of the good best plot devices I think we could ever have, when he was using Batman to help get these people out and into the open and where he wanted, he was really using Batman's curiosity against him. It was and he was like, "We missed Bruce Wayne, but we go, we'll get him." And Batman was like, "Uh oh." Well, one, he's batshit crazy, pun intended, because he thinks I'm his partner, and two. He does think we miss Bruce Wayne, but there was that moment where you were like, ooh, because in the comic book, and again, we're going to get to some little hints of other storylines, uh, Hush, Riddler knew who he was. He just hasn't told anybody. That was his ultimate card. He hasn't told anybody, and he didn't think anybody would believe him if he told him. So it was cool to hint that for a little bit and then yank the rug back. And literally yank the, yank the rug back. <laughs> yeah. but, and that was a good device to get... Batman away from the scene because we've yeah. already seen he has these detective skills. It's all there, all the all the evidence is there, and he pulls away. So that's that human side. He says, yeah. "Whoa, I'm going to be outed as as Batman, Bruce Wayne. My identity is going to be revealed. I have to go stop this." And in doing so, almost a little bit uh, selfish, you know, his his identity because he goes to protect his identity. Then we have all these potential casualties and everything else because he took his eye off the prize. And so it was well done. And as a viewer, we're thinking like, oh, yeah, he figured him out and this and that. And then he goes and reveals his master plan. And then, again, that gives us like this element. It it turns the story around. And it just, again, that's part of the captivation in that three hours. And it's worth noting. Because there's enough twists and turns. It's worth noting. Joker in Nolanverse almost wins. No one, no one pushed the button and blew up the other boat. Riddler wins. Riddler's plan, with the exception of the hiccup that Bruce Wayne's not killed, Riddler set out and accomplished everything he wanted. I don't think he gave two shits if his all of his henchmen, how many people they killed. It was just to create chaos and to flood the city and to out all these people and their corruption. Riddler won in this movie. Batman was unable to get a step ahead of him. He was behind at every point. And I think that was a really good aspect of this film. Uh, And it created that final battle where, you know, we see the... um, we see the, the the henchman and the way Batman made his entrance. That was the most movie Batman we've seen. That that harkens back to every iteration of Batman in film. You know, he blew all the skylights out to create this massive dramatic interest. But again, they did something really cool in that scene too. This Batman showed his acrobaticness and his ability to swing around things and come up. 
but he didn't land on his feet or land in the proper kick. There were sometimes literally where he just landed and rolled and it knocked someone over. He wasn't clumsy, but he was again uh he was he was more blunt. There wasn't any flair to his moves. They were all nasty and painful. And it looked like he even hurt himself a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was a great final fight. Now, I want to track back to my second point of contention and my biggest. Um, Batman in this is a really good detective. And these guys are all doing a great job of solving the mystery, correct? <laughs> the the Riddler gives us files and uploads these files to the internet and gives all these pictures mm-hmm. of this club. And he does it on multiple people that come out of the club, whether it's uh, Peter Skargar's character. I can't remember. He was a uh, oh, he was the, the uh, DA. DA, yeah. He, and, he played it well. And the mayor. Um, so we see, and yeah. they're they're all taken from the same vantage point where he's been hiding the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Would you not have thought that the great mind of Batman and even another detective are like, well, where were these pictures taken Good from? Point. And yeah. why didn't they just go and f- from that window? Yeah. It's got to be the only point. Yeah. That was. It's not unforgivable sin for me, but it's a pretty big plot hole on a yeah. guys that are so good at their craft that they just overlooked going to find like if someone it took a gunshot, oh it come from up there like I think it's just the same prince. I think a detective mind would work the same way. What angle is this shot from? And let's figure it out because it was the same group of pictures in the same building and the same door over and over and I was like why didn't Batman figure this out a long time ago? It'd save us a lot of movie, but still, it was it was yeah. it, it, even though that was unfor. I mean, I can I'm I'm forgiving it because the whole movie's great. Sure. The other thing I want to take you know, let's I want to talk about is the uh, the the hints at other things that's to come. Um, they don't really say it. They do allude to a history between the Waynes and the Arkhams of being the founding fathers of Gotham. And I thought that family. was pretty interesting because that's a that's an element that I've never been familiar with, so that seems like something well, if you, new. you ever get a hankering to read a great Batman story, maybe one of the best ones in the last ten years is what's called Court of Owls. It turns out that there's this other... Um, the what's a what's a bat's worst enemy? An owl, and these owls, these court of owls, these affluent, rich, well-to-do people, have been the secrets behind Gotham for from day one, and so they kind of alluded that there was these in, in the insane asylum. They talked about the Martha going in and out of the nut house, and it all kind of fits into what the court of owls is, and it's sets up one of the really big good Batman stories of all time and it's a good I could see that being the third in a trilogy film as being the final because mm-hmm. it would be awesome so they kind of hint at that they, you do see the words Hush multiple times and that would be kind of a fun second villain Hush turned out to be Batman's childhood friend Tommy who's a brain surgeon a great surgeon saved Bruce's life ends up becoming a bad guy um kind of tricks Batman in every way because he actually does know he's Bruce Wayne. Uh, so that's a cool one they, they could hint at. And then the other kind of hint of future stories they could set up is that's not adrenaline that he shot himself in the leg. That, I do believe, is Venom. Ah. And Venom is the drug that Bane uses to make himself Batman's physical superior. Oh, he's already his I mental. I pick up on that, yeah. He's already Batman's mental superior, or at least equal. Yeah. And Bane just jacks himself up on this drug to keep himself 
unbeatable for yeah. Batman, and he he's down and out because he did take the one time. Actually, there were a couple times where bullets hurt him. One, the bullets knocked him out when before he got before we see the Batmobile and they shoot at him. Yeah, and then he he's uh, knocked out. And then the in the police dead well by an explosion, but then that shotgun blast hurt him bad on top of the the oh the yeah thing. yeah and, the shotgun blast totally and, and that's when he was down and that guy Grat knocks out Selena yeah. Catwoman and he opens a little valve like of course because he's so padded <laughs> he would have a spot yeah. where he could jab yeah. himself he pulls out a green liquid yeah with and I was like well maybe it's the drop like drop heads. Mm-hmm. Or some deviation thereof, but that seemed to slow people down. Yeah. So he shots himself, and it's an instant adrenaline rush, and they only, he almost beats a guy to death. Plus, it was rage. He was rage. It was rage. Which is what Venom does yes. to Bane. Yeah. So it's like, oh, maybe they're setting up, giving us the, he's been using this drug sporadically to help himself get better, and whereas Venom becomes addicted to it, or Bane becomes mm-hmm. addicted to it. Yeah. So that's a little hint at what's could to come. It could, there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, interesting Easter egg on that one. But... We can't stop talking about the film without talking about the biggest setup for the future films. And that is when Paul Dano, Riddler's character, Edward Nash, is in jail in Arkham. uh, And you hear from behind him or beside him, you know, know, not everyone loves a clown. And there's one thing the city loves is a comeback story. And then he starts laughing Mm -hmm. and it turns into the Joker laugh. Yeah. And you see the hair, disheveled hair and the weird face. So they gave us a Joker tease. Um, I would have never thought that we were ever going to see Joker in the cinema again, not just because Heath Ledger set the bar so fucking high. It's like you you have no choice but to walk under it because you're never going to clear it. Uh, But also because of the circumstances around Ledger's death. Um, And then, you know, but thankfully the shows like um, Gotham, whatever, on you know, they've teased it trying to bring a Joker Mm -hmm. back into it. Um, well, they tried with Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Wasn't that great? Yeah, yeah. Jared, well, and yeah, and that was... I mean, it was an interesting... It was a good choice. Joker, it, was a, it, it, was an, uh, it was an Eduardo Rizzo and... Um, uh, not Brian K. Vaughn. Maybe Brian K. Vaughn. I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, uh, I can't remember who wrote it. Who's same, same writer, and I don't know why I'm blanking, because I love 100 Bullets. It was his version of the Joker, who was also a criminal boss. Yeah. Uh, and it just didn't... It wasn't Joker that people love. And then we did see... And then ultimately that led us to a really great, not a good superhero movie, but a really great character study film in Joker with um, um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix yeah. who knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. So we see people are like, okay, we can't have a Joker again. Um, I thought they were really reserved and they really held back on showing him and they did a good job of Which teasing Which is great. Him. Yeah. yeah, that's a way to do it. And so I'm, I'm dropping all these hints on all these possible storylines but it would also be cool in the Court of Owls or anything, or however this trilogy culminates, and it's the way it should be, it should culminate with the Joker. Because Joker's always like the first in a movie, like he was in, in, in Tim Burton's, mm-hmm. and, and Nolan held him off for one movie, yeah. he gave him to him in a second. Yeah. Let's finish the, a trilogy, a Batman trilogy, with a really good Joker, and but plant the seeds throughout. That would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Uh, be I thought it was great. And it's great how, as you said, with the uh, Riddler character, he goes in Arkham. And just in the lore of Batman, with sending all these villains to Arkham, yeah. mean, who knows in the third movie whether they bust him out and you have just like the video games. Yeah, like the recent, yeah, yeah. recent wave of video games where you have all these 
crime bosses running out and you know ultimately uh gotham is, is a giant prison or they have sections of it that Absolutely. become the prison and, and i felt like there was a little bit of that vibe and i don't know if that's one source that the filmmakers went with but just when i saw when he blew up the uh seawall yeah i mean i had, i don't recall seeing gotham as with you know surrounded as more like a, a new york yeah it was always where, like uh arkham and stuff is on an island over yeah. here and all the uh the bad stuff is like across the bridge. This one, it was almost like the good stuff was in the middle, and it's surrounded by slums. Yeah, the way you yeah, looked at and, it. and just just the the role that the water played. Yeah, you know, we hadn't seen that before, but yeah. you see it more so in the video game. It was a fun Gotham. I mean, yeah, I like the way it looked so without who knows they, without hitting us in the face yeah. with it. It was a really good Gotham. Yeah. Um, now there was a quote unquote post credit scene. I don't know if you saw this. We waited around, and it was... Uh, it's the URL. Yeah. So I broke down the URL. Oh. Uh, so if you... The URL, if you follow the URL from the scene, it takes you to um, the Riddler's website. The uh, 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 rat or whatever, ratalata.com, uh, yeah. um, which means rat with wings. And so if you go into it, it says... Riddler asks you if you would like to solve the riddles, and you put yes. If you try, if you take too long and you're like searching for answers, uh-huh. he'll taunt you and he'll say, Searching for answers, are we? Cheaters always reveal themselves. Our user in your mind is more rewarding than looking up the answer. Uh, unfortunately, I'm looking up the answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and those who take shortcuts will never win. So, what it is, is it gives you a series of questions. The first question is, I'm, a, I'm first a fraud or a trick, or perhaps a blend of the two. That's up to your misinterpretation. And the answer to that is confusion. The next riddle is, fear he who hides behind one. And that's a mask. Mm -hmm. And the last one is, what's new is new again. Rebirth, restoration. And that's renewal, which was a big theme of this. Which I also thought was a cool plot device that Thomas Wayne's death left this unattended sum of money that... Mm -hmm the bad guys were exploiting for themselves and even the police were exploiting for themselves yeah, billion dollars so it's like, yeah, yeah a billion dollars amount, yeah. so if you do this you get complete these riddles it, it takes you it allows you uh, to download a file and you have to use a password thomas underscore wayne under or the top file is called thomas underscore wayne underscore lies it's an mp4 uh-huh. and you put in the password promise and it's essentially the video you saw in the movie where that he releases where it's Thomas Wayne's campaign and then it cuts to the hush and but it's a little more extended footage of that and then it gives you a cryptic work at his logo and then it tells you know it comes to an end so after you refresh the page which you're supposed to do it'll ask you do you think Thomas Wayne is a great man yes or no if you put yes it goes it says beware of absolute power it corrupts unconditionally mm-hmm. if you put no it says your right to be untrusting of the rich and powerful. All who think they are great always hide secrets. And then you get a, after you're presented through that, you click through and it redirects you to a message that's got a cipher. So mm-hmm. you have to use the cipher. That's clever. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a neat. And the cipher says, yeah, it gets even better. It's yeah. even cooler than this. So the cipher goes to maze of riddles is what it does. And then you refresh it a second time. It said, there's another riddle and it says, keep your eyes peeled for his return and you don't know what that means now that's all cool it's just a cool setup mm-hmm. if you do it on your mobile and not your pc it's got extended stuff so they formatted it different on your wow. mobile 
So you translate the image and it says, you think I'm finished, but perhaps you don't know the full truth. Every ending is a new beginning. Something is coming. So that is an all-out tease that there's another movie coming. Yeah. And, and like and a $58 million opening day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like we said, they, f- like uh, Star Wars and Marvel, some Marvel movies and stuff, everybody's always... You know, kill your villain has been one of the worst things that all those movies done. Darth Maul being the ultimate example, but yeah, they then they wreck on that in the cartoon. Uh, but for those that don't hate me, internet, for those that us that don't watch <laughs> the cartoons or read the books, we just thought Darth Maul, a really cool guy, got cut in half and was done. Uh, but they resisted to kill him. He did go to Arkham, which Batman sent him, wanted to send him. He didn't want to kill him. Yeah. Uh, so. Even if, and I know in the Nolan verse they didn't kill Scarecrow in the first one. He kind of coded, but he was kind of a patsy in the next one. He was real quick and done at the beginning of it. But like you said, I felt the same way when I saw Arkham when they locked him in there. My thought was, if there's a second movie, or even if there's a three arc plan for Matt Reeves, this is going to culminate and Batman has to go into Arkham, a la Arkham Asylum, one of the greatest miniseries of all time. Uh, St- uh, I think uh, Sinkevich, I think drew it. I can't remember who did it, but it was great. Um, it, it's 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 just I, I could see them like the video game going into uh, someone opening all the cells and unleashing them, and then you have a Riddler back and you have a Joker free. And I felt like, oh, that's a real possibility. And then I kind of got giddy, like in game giddy, like, oh, we're gonna see all these characters together. Um, and, and the only reason that happens is because you don't kill your character. You don't kill your bad guy. And Paul Dano, Dano deserves kind of like uh, if you have seen Spider-Man, Willem Dafoe got his reprise yeah. and gave, got more screen time as Willem Dafoe yeah, and just hit a grand slam. Paul Dano, I believe, deserves more screen time as Paul Dano without the mask on. Mm-hmm. And we could see it. We could see it. It was open-ended enough. We could see where it's going, and I thought this was a great movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad uh, I was able to see that at the theater. Yeah. And uh, just one quick one. And and seeing it at the theater, of course. I mean, now we have everybody's great sound systems oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and televisions. But seeing that Batmobile on the big screen with this that, that the sound system they had in the yeah. theater was just I think it was loud fantastic. and obnoxious and and was yeah awesome with that jet engine yeah. you know you're getting it from behind that you, you saw in the background the of every scene yeah. it was in the not the cave and I loved the cave it was a, it was like a rail rain a train yeah, station yeah yeah that was killer but I love seeing that you saw it under wrap and you saw the engine over and then he puts it all together you don't even see that off you know that happens off camera but it's a great yeah. way to do the Batmobile again and you're seeing him he's tinkering with it it's just like a big muscle car that he is he's throwing a jet engine on it. And it was just the sound of that thing, you know, just roaring. It was that was killer. You know, that we, was fantastic. And we did mention a little bit about um, the the music. Um, you know, with his, you know, his, how his decision to be a little like Kurt Cobain, and then his, you know, so they put some Nirvana music, which was great use of Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song Ave Maria was throughout the whole thing. And that was a great use of the song. The score of this film and the sound of this film, I can't stress enough how good it was. And what was cool is it was very held back. Like, it was not an in-your-face score. There was not, like, massive boom, 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 you know, like, gongs and bass drum scenes, like, where you would expect some big reveal or some big crescendo to something. It was very understated use of music. And... I think also maybe one of the and this is again I want uh, this is why I like you on the show when you come on our show I love the fact that you're somebody that tangibly makes stuff you know with cameras because there is 
there's sometimes in movies, and they do it a lot now. I think they take for granted everyone's uh, the 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 uh, the quality of their TV. And I have, I mean, I, I think I got if you count them all up, I've got like five six flat screens in this house, and some of them are really great. Like my main floor one's awesome; it's good TV. Yeah. But I think people take for granted how blacks affect the viewing. This movie was a dark movie, but there was never a time, and I've had it in movies, in big movies, where I'm like, they needed to some, some, get some kind of light in this scene. It's too dark, mm-hmm. and I don't have the depth of black on the big screen or on my TV that's differentiating yeah. enough. This one was dark, but we, the only time it was too dark a scene was on purpose to use that muzzle flash. Otherwise, whether in the yeah. club or in an alley or in a battle... There was enough light to constantly see what was going on. I think that's a tough job for filmmakers right now. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of times they'll do like a day for night where they just, you know, they film it in in daylight, but then they just underexpose. Right, yeah. And you can tell that. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of television shows and and whatnot. But this one, of course, was well well crafted. The use of light and the darks. And yeah, that, that scene when... When they're in that hallway, it was amazing, and all the muzzle flashes and all that. It was, it what about was all cool. the scenes at dawn? Did you like that in choice? Because like him, like at the end, it, where it's him and uh, Catwoman, you know, uh, Selena. It's at dawn, and when yeah. he meets a couple of times, it's at dawn. It's not like this Batman's out in the daylight, uh-huh. but he's close on top of the the you know the the place they used. In fact, outside of the funeral scene. When was it daylight in this movie? Generally not. So, so I think the dawn was that just that transition from being somewhat back to normal. It gave you that glimpse that maybe he has some sort of a normal life. But uh, so when you watch movies like this, like this, and I don't mean just your everyday run of the mill movie, although I'm sure that you can watch it with a, uh, a a craftsman's eye and get what you need out of those two. But when you watch Matt Reeves's movie. Do you look at, can you look at a movie like this and say, oh, he's like, this is a director that's just elevated his game. And do you ever draw any inspiration on stuff that you could use, even on a smaller format that would work? Or, I mean, do you look at this stuff? And does there sometimes in a movie like Batman, whether it's this movie or other movies, and you're like, God, man, they nailed that scene. Like, they fucking brought it home. Yeah. And it's more the emotional response. Yeah. When you see something that great, you're like, whoa. This is this moved me, yeah. And then it's like one way is like, oh, I have to do something like that, which is kind of crazy. You get a little sidetracked, but just taking that feeling and putting that energy yeah. to whatever else it's whatever else one is there any like on. camera angles or light or things, and you're like, oh, that's interesting how they did that or what they took from that. And I don't know off the top of my head in this film, other than like we've referenced it now a third time, the muzzle flash fight, um, the very subtle use uh-huh. of a joke once. Um, um, I, you know, I guess a, another one like say like when he's in the water and he cracks that flare open, that was a very good use of light. Oh, absolutely! But is there anything yeah. like technical that you ever see in a movie like this and like mm, I could see that being a big thing or something that trans? Obviously, like the biggest would be like Matrix when we saw technical mm-hmm. special effects. We're like, well, this is going to stick around. Yeah. But is there yeah. anything not game changing things, but like you're like, oh, I, I respect his decision to make that happen. Absolutely. Usually that's more on the second viewing, and that, oh, okay. was, that was a cool thing about this film. It was I was just able to just sink into the chair 
and watch it and enjoy it and get sucked into the So you allow yourself to be a fan first and then with a technical critic's eye the second, maybe third time through. Yeah, if it's a good enough story that really captivates me, then I'm just sitting there and I'm in this world. Yeah. And it's nice to be in that world and not think about it. Now, subsequent viewings, it'll be, oh, miss this or they did that or here's... Uh, you know, you're thinking of how they did it or some things that stand out. I mean, one thing that threw me, and I wasn't sure story-wise, when he, at the end scene, before he goes in the water, he swings and we see that, like, that, uh, whatever that piece of equipment was and all the electricity. That electrical, yeah. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, if that thing falls, then, yeah, a lot of people are going to die. And he jumps to it like he's going to do something, and then he... Whatever he cuts, and maybe that was his deal, he cut the power so that so piece of gear didn't have the yeah. power. But that kind of threw me because I didn't exactly uh, – maybe I blinked because it seemed weird when he cut it. Because it's like the big piece didn't drop. And, and I thought, well, maybe that's because – well, and, and it was. It was like he knew – he saw the electrical box and yeah. he didn't want them to get electrocuted. Yeah. But when he cut it and he fell and I was like, oh, this is how he's getting out of the scene by being sneaky. They yeah. think he's dead. But no, I thought – at first, I thought it was weird, too, and then he cracked that open. It's like, no, he's going to go save people. Mm-hmm. He had to get down there, yeah. and that was his best way. So I don't know that that was the best part of the film, and it certainly, just like with you, it kind of gave me room for pause. Yeah, this confused me. Yeah. It was like, okay, what's happening here? But literally outside the camera angle thing, I don't have – and I thought it was an interesting choice to have him be around people so much. Outside of those things, I think this was a – I mean – the only difference, the only thing that separates The Dark Knight and this movie is Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. And I think that's saying a lot of how good this movie is. That yeah, you literally had to go with one of the greatest supporting actor performances in a film mm-hmm. in order to be better. Yeah. So I, I loved it. I mean, my like I, I said, too. my overall, it was a five out of five. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to make my wife watch it because I do think she <laughs> she'll Because she loves Seven. Seven's yeah. one of her favorite oh, then movies. then she would love this. Yeah, could not. This is just Seven as yeah. told as a superhero movie. Yeah. So, um... It was well done. And just on one last note, because some, some have said, you know, they mentioned the Schneiderverse and all that. Yeah. And, uh, and this was, I mean, I didn't see this having any fact. Batman's always been dark. Yeah. Where I think some of those other, like Justice League is not, traditionally the comic book is not as dark. Yeah. And so, but this fits. So this being dark has nothing to do with Zack Schneider. You know, I'm this hoping this Batman. movie is so good that people stop talking about wanting the Snyderverse back. Yeah. Because we're still getting characters like Aquaman still going to have a film. Mm-hmm. Um, we may get another Wonder Woman film, even though the last one was awful. Oh my God, that was a uh, Yeah, so the Snyderverse will live on in some way, but I'll tell you, I don't, I don't care if they make this Batman have a bigger universe that connects to other superheroes. I don't. Um I'm okay if it's just the Batman's universe because this movie was so damn yeah. good. I hope people just stop talking about all the other stuff for a while and just let movies come out as they may. Absolutely. And just, yeah, take it as it is and look for that individual story. So, yeah, man, it was uh, like five for five for me, ten for ten, whatever. Whatever you want to Home do. Home run. That was I, great. Well, I tell you, this was uh, – I, I, I'm glad you came on. This was as deep a dive into one movie as we've ever done. We've essentially did an Fun. hour and 15 minutes. Oh, I'm right on. on. Cool. Um, I do. I do. I would be remiss if we don't at least hit on some quick topics that maybe something that you want to talk about real fast, other than like the Batman movie and and obviously we always want you know what else whatever it is you might have going on. You, you mentioned uh, restoration or uh, uh, Russ Bucket Russ, Rembrandt. Russ, Russ, yeah. Bucket Rembrandt. So I want people to look out for that. Yeah, go uh, subscribe, please. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that'll help my buddy Eric light out. 
And uh, what else? What else you got? Go. You got anything else you're working on and still? I, th- I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna put what we uh, developed the, the video that we put together for Restaurant Don's on YouTube, so it can be seen. Okay. Because we have to recraft some of that. Because as we're pitching it to different people and production companies, you always get these notes and oh well. After COVID, you know what are the stakes? The stakes are higher. Where before right. it was more of a character study in the history of the family. And it's just just a well-known restaurant family in St. Louis. It's cousins of a a college friend of mine. So that's how I I met them. And uh, so we're thinking about putting that out uh, at a Restaurant Don's YouTube channel just to get, I guess, for us to get some energy and see how people respond to it. And I just need to. So you work with something so long, and then you get knocked down a few times. It's just like, wow. Hard to go back to it. It's hard. And you're you're doing new projects. You want that new energy. So, uh, yeah, uh, I just got to get back on that horse and get that momentum. And maybe we have a show. Yeah. Um, If not, we met some cool people, and it was a nice adventure. But uh, So, yeah, that one. And then uh, just really what I've been doing is – learning more uh are getting more in depth in story beats and screenwriting because a, a good buddy of mine he's uh have you seen arcane on netflix arcane, uh, uh, it's the uh it's oh from uh from from the video, video game, game uh, yeah from a uh, league, league of, of legends yeah i loved it yeah so I a good it. friend of mine you know one of my close friends that i went to college with he's been working on that so oh that's he's awesome been, He's been living in France with his family, and he's working. Is that on, where that's made out of? Is it? Yeah, one of the companies that's okay. uh, that's uh, taking care of a bunch of scenes. Like they they farm it out, so there's different companies that it's are working. Pretty on amazing uh, animation. I could see how yeah. it would go from like like the the drawing phase or the art phase to the lighting phase to the putting it all together. That's, yeah, they they essentially create these models, so yeah. they get the look, the art. They create these models, and then they put these rigs in these models. So it's all digital. That's amazing. And so my buddy Steve has all these points where he can affect these characters. So, you know, the better the rig is, the more yeah. he can do as an animator. So just when I'm chatting with him, we do a Zoom calls, so and we're doing like a regular weekly thing. And uh, then, of course, it got busy. He jumped in at the tail end of season one. Okay. So he had uh, he had a couple really cool scenes and was able to animate. Well, tell him great job, Steve, because I've Absolutely. never played the game a day in my life. Didn't know Me anything neither. about the characters, yeah. but I enjoyed the show very oh, much. So well, and apparently. Yeah. The, the 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 game really didn't have the storylines. They're fleshing it, was, it out. Yeah, fleshing it out well. And he showed me a few things from the the new season that he was working. I'm just on, so I'm happy it's coming wraps. back. But yeah, it's I so haven't cool. even looked and seen any news on it. I just know I liked it. Yeah. So I'm glad it's coming back. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. But you, you said you're talking to him, and he's giving. Oh you yeah, ideas so we we uh, years ago when uh, you know we had an idea for uh, for a project, which I'll keep under wraps for now. Okay, which we think is pretty clever. Okay, and uh, you know it's in, in a zombie universe, but um, I hear that's marketable. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I don't think it'll ever. It it may. Uh, not be trending as high, but I think it's always going to be something that's oh, yeah, around. Yeah. So hopefully, and our it's the best idea, time to do it when it's not trending to bring it back. You yeah, know? yeah. So we've been, you know, that was one of those deals where we start talking about it, and I wanted to understand story beats better and be a, a better writer, and so plot wise and all that. So I just dug into this uh, book called Save the Cat, and it just digs into you know story structure and whatnot. So I'm, I'm that's all it's that about. 
Yeah, just different story beats. And then they have the books. You, you might dig these as well, where it goes through and breaks down the structure. And there's 15 story beats. And uh, this guy, Blake Schneider, he wrote it in, in a way where he, he had a second book where he broke down all these movies. Yeah. So it's just like uh, Die Hard. Yeah. And he breaks it down. And you look, every movie, you can like fit those story beats. So now when I'm watching movies, now Batman aside, because I was so, yeah. I was sucked into the story. Now the second time I go in and watch it, I'm going to be thinking of well, these story beats and how it fits. So it's kind of cool to really learn the structure. Just because I watch or listen to yeah. a lot of podcasts and I love listening to interviews with a lot of creative people. Um, I certainly have never read a book on it, but I'm aware of like pacing the beats of a story yeah. and... You know, and there's some easy movies where you can see it, like, uh, for instance, uh, The Force Awakens. You can almost see beat for beat how mm-hmm. that feels like New Hope. Yeah. And you can sometimes that those beats are noticeable, really noticeable. And sometimes you can tell when it's really bad, like it's paced really badly uh, or, you know, or it doesn't work. So I'd be an interesting look at because, you know, I'm a guy that likes to write. Um, and definitely script writing falls into writing comic books. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so you're, yeah, I, I'd like to check that out because that's, I mean, I mean, I think people take for granted. They think you just have a good idea and you just put some dialogue on it and there you got a story. But I took it for granted too. So now that I've learned everything, I've, I've got to go back and look at a few other screenplays and see how I can make those better. It, because I'm a fan of Dan Harmon and all the stuff that he's oh, done yeah. in his life and he's uh-huh. such a fan of Joseph Campbell. I've looked into his story circle and his, uh, you know, meeting the goddess and his crossing the threshold and all of that stuff is super interesting. I mean, Absolutely. whatever you use, and if you're an aspiring writer, and my buddy Aaron and Daniel, they you know they are writers. They can probably attest to this. Um, you got to find something that works for you, some structure. And not and when we say structure, you don't have to adhere to it. You like you don't need to read a book about how to make a beats of storytelling and follow those beats every single time. You're allowed to play with those beats, move them around, move the structures around a little bit to tell. Like I mean, certainly Christopher Nolan's maybe the best example of that is Memento. He took a basic story structure and he said, "Well, let's do it in reverse." That's pretty, you know, that's pretty hard. But you do need. I think it's pretty f- smart for people to hear about a book, uh, you know, like that and. Uh, and find something because I think you got to find a discipline and start a starting point mm-hmm. to how to tell a story. Yeah. And then as you get better, and obviously, you know, one thing I heard a long time ago is the first rule of a writer is a writer has to write. You oh, know, you absolutely. Write. So once you keep writing and follow these rigid routines and patterns, then you'll figure a way out to tell your own story and use it to your advantage instead of just being a slave to it. So yeah, you got like you said, you got to start noticing. You have to know those. That's there before you can exploit mm-hmm. it. And those beats are, are some that you can be creative to what you do to get to that point yeah. and what it is because it's very general. But that can be like thousands of different combinations. Yeah. And so it's pretty cool. So I've, been, just, I've been digging that. In this Batman review alone, we, we mentioned, um, you know, people, we didn't use the phrasing beats of the movie, but you uh-huh. definitely, we, we did use first, second, third act, but you can see in those beats where those acts Happen that those yeah. story beats, like certainly that the most noticeable uh, building up to that diner scene, and then everything that happens after that, you can tell how that story was paced and, and and put to make that to be a very pivotal part of that movie. Yeah, at some point we should if it's some if you get into reading this because what I noticed with the Batman when I started 
you know, when I after the story had played out, I, I thought of a few of the beats, and I was like, wait a second, this is one that's happening that generally is structured. So they kind of repeated a few of these beats. That's pretty cool. Like and it said, was like, it's... so yeah, it's messing around with it. And that's one thing I'll, I'll end on this with that. Uh, like Reservoir Dogs, they break it down when it's it's broken down in the beats. It's almost like there's two sections. One when they're talking about the crime and then one when they're in the warehouse. So it's like taking that and basically yeah. having two sets of these beats. It's another guy that plays with the structure of yeah. a story really well. I mean, and that's got to be the hardest thing I think for a writer to do. I mean, it's for a guy like M- Nolan or, or, mm-hmm. or um, Tarantino to instinctively know how to deconstruct a story and reverse it or chop yeah. it up and break it up in the wrong order. Yeah, that's I mean, come on, I mean, that's that's high level stuff yeah. for guys that did it when they were new to the game. That's sure, ridiculous. and if you started by following that structure and then shifting it around later, that makes and sense. it's almost like that's. That's what you do. So I'm learning a lot with that. That's, That's awesome. fun. And then that just, just make you better at doing what you're doing. Absolutely. And then just regular video work and whatnot, some freelance. Uh, yeah. Nothing uber creative, but been just kind of binging on a lot of different things, which we can talk about another time. Yeah. I but, mean, uh, I, you know, I told you, unfortunately, I do have a hard out a little bit here in a little bit. But, man, I mean, we've... I tell you. Oh, we've covered a lot. It's been co- a lot of fun. Thanks yeah, for I, me. You know what? And I don't know that... It's funny because you know I always put when you put like your uh, your meta tags into the description so people would search if they you know it, yeah. like it kind of like I always put comedy or pop culture or entertainment and stuff. Hopefully people found it entertaining because we didn't. I mean it's not like we intended we didn't put a lot of comedy in this. This is just I think one of the certainly that I've been a part of my podcast one of my favorite dives into movie of all time. So I'm glad you well, came cool, on. Well, cool man. We'll have to do it again. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. What a great movie to do it on too. Absolutely. It was uh, the uh, I mean it's a long overdue. Like the theaters, like the the advertiser said, it's a Batman we finally deserve to get. I don't know what we deserve, but it's a Batman. By God, I didn't know I wanted, and I got it. So, unless you got anything else, tell people how to find stuff that you have done. Yeah, just uh, YouTube Ken Calcaterra, uh, Facebook, and all that. Just Ken Calcaterra, C A L C A T E R R A. And and uh, Russ Bucket Rembrandt's go follow that. Yeah, like and subscribe, it share, yeah, comment, comment on episodes. Watch something Absolutely. to comment because that's how the algorithm. Even if you even yeah. if you're like, I don't dig this, uh, but I could see where people would like it. I, like I tell people in my podcast, like, I don't care if you shit on my podcast. If you comment, it's good for me. So, so go out. Don't just let your opinion be heard, uh, but support good things by good people. So I don't have anything else. If you don't have anything else, I'm going to wrap it up. I appreciate you coming out, my man. It, it's, uh, you know, in the I feel like we're getting out of this pandemic, so yes. hopefully we can make this happen a little more often. I, yeah, I'll come by. Yeah, it's been fun talking with you. Your energy is amazing, and it's just I'm supercharged now. Go tell my wife my energy is amazing because she, fifty <laughs> percent of the time, she says you need to tone your shit down, husband. <laughs> so, all right, we're gonna play the music, and uh, hopefully we can ruin Batman for everybody because uh, we really went into it.